Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. In case you haven't already heard, our Cracked Rackets team kicks off our coverage of the 2024 college tennis season with our first broadcast of the year this weekend. We take our coverage to Stillwater for a doubleheader for the Oklahoma State men and women on Friday, followed by a top 15 showdown for the Oklahoma State women on Sunday. It promises to be a fantastic weekend of matches. The Oklahoma State men taking on perennial top 25 school in Middle Tennessee. The Oklahoma State women, a top five program themselves at this point in the rankings. They're taking on a fellow top five school in Michigan on Friday, fellow top 15 school in Ohio State on Sunday. Again, it is going to be a jam-packed weekend in the college tennis world. And if you are looking for a preview of everything, happening at that level this weekend, go head on over to the Great Shot podcast feed where we break it all down for you here on this show. I figured we should preview our first broadcast of the season. I could think of no better guest to join us to help do so than the man who has been steering the ship of this Oklahoma State women's tennis program for the last 15 years now, a man who, of course, you all know as the head coach of the Oklahoma State women's tennis program. It's Chris Young joining me on the podcast once again today to preview not only this weekend's matches for his team, but to preview a really exciting year down at Oklahoma State. They're hosting the NCAA team and individual events come May. And I had to ask Coach Young what it's like to prepare to put on an event of that scale. What sort of resources, what sort of time goes into planning the NCAAs? What's his approach in trying to plan this year's event? It was a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate the candid nature of Coach Young, who shares insight that I think a lot of you college tennis fans may not otherwise have into that NCAA tournament building process. So again, not only do we preview his team's 2024 outlook, we had to get into a preview of what it's like to put together this 2024 NTAA tournament as well. And again, more broadly, it is always a pleasure to have the opportunity to chat with Coach Young. Really appreciate him bringing in our Crack Rackets team so that we could provide a platform for what promises to, again, be such an exciting weekend of tennis in Stillwater. So on today's show, we talk with Oklahoma State women's tennis head coach Chris Young to break it all down again. Make sure you subscribe to our Crack Rackets YouTube channel so you don't miss out not just on this weekend coverage, but on all of our coverage throughout the course of the 2024 college tennis season. And if, by the way, you're looking for Australian Open coverage right now, make sure you go check out the mini break podcast feed, the Great Shot podcast feed, where we have episodes for you each and every day, both recapping and previewing all of the day's events. With that said, though, you didn't come here to hear plugs. You came here to hear my conversation with Oklahoma State women's tennis head coach Chris Young. So let's get to that now. I promise all of you listeners are going to enjoy today's show. The man that sees 
Joining us on the podcast once again today is a man who must now be described as a returning champion here at our Crack Racket shows. Of course, you all know him best as a man entering his 15th year at the helm as the head coach of the Oklahoma State Women's Tennis Program. Welcome back to our show, head coach Chris Young. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. 15 years. That's uh, getting on up there. Well, it's remarkable to even say out loud because you may have heard this in our preview podcast during uh, talking about your team. It was a comment I got a lot of texts about. I legitimately thought like at oldest you were 41, 42, and I'm going to hold that thought in my head because I see the smile on your face. When I saw year 15, I was like, there is no way. What, did you take over when you were 19? Yeah. (laughs) Let's keep it like that. Yeah, certainly. And obviously, look, being year 15 for you all, you guys get to do something special uh, this season. And that's where I want to start today's conversation. Now, you have hosted the NCAAs in the past. But for those listeners that don't know, your program was supposed to host the NCAA tournament, the final rounds, the individual event back during the 2020 season. Obviously, some things happened in 2020 that made that event impossible to go on. But as a makeup run that honestly, thankfully, gets to occur, you all get to host NCAs this year in 2024. And I'm curious what that means to you, what that means to your program, and how excited you are to have that event coming to you all in May. Yeah, we've used the word this year, opportunity. I think it's just an opportunity in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, I see it as an opportunity to host the championships and do things. You know, as a coach, everybody always has opinions about, well, the NCAA should do this and we should do that. And um, I think two things, you know, one, I, I have the opportunity now to be on the NCAA D1 committee. And so I've learned from the inside, you know, maybe why certain things get done, why certain things don't. And then that be able to take that inside and, and use it in our planning uh, over the last year um, just to be able to do some things, you know, take the information that you hear from coaches all the time. And people say, well, you know, we need to do this more for the student athletes or we need to do this more for the fans and we need to do these things. And at the end of last year's championship, I told people, send me all these lists, all these lists (laughs) that people are compiling, send me your list. And we actually now have a subcommittee on the NCAA D1 committee that really is kind of compiling all these lists, whether it's fan experience, whether it's student athlete experience and the things that we've kind of heard the last few years, what can we start to, uh, you know, delve into a little bit to try to do better. And I think that's what you want to do year to year. And not that we're going to solve it all, not that we're going into this saying that this is going to be the best championship ever. Uh, We're just going into this saying we're going to try to do some things that haven't been done before that people have wished that we would do. Um, We're going to try to do some things that uh, maybe people haven't thought as much about, maybe some things that we've seen in other championships that have help them be successful. And it's just an opportunity, I think, for us to try some different things. And, you know, what the future of the championship looks like, everybody is talking about, whether it's a permanent site, whether it continues to move around. Um, You know, I think we have it with us, Baylor and Georgia, the next three years, and it's up to us all kind of work together and see if we can't keep advancing our sport. And I think that uh, there's a lot of positives out there with the ESPN news and with what you guys are doing. Uh, There's a lot of attention now that's being drawn to our sport that that hasn't been there in the past and um, you know we want the championships to be quality and keep bringing more people in 
That collaborative piece of planning the NCAAs, you kind of mentioned it there. Baylor has it not only next season for the team event, but excuse me, next year for the individuals in the fall as well. Georgia the year after that. Uh, This is a blunt question, I understand, but has college tennis gotten better at collaborating amongst the sites, amongst the teams with that eye of, hey, it kind of has to be a team effort if we want to continue to grow this sport. Do you think the sport's gotten better? I I think so. And I I don't really have, um, you know, a great history of of maybe, you know, the way it's been done before. But I know that we've had calls with, uh, you know, myself and Georgia and and, uh, Baylor. And uh, we've all kind of talked about things. I know that we're planning to share some different things. You know, one of the things that we're going to invite them to do is kind of the last few calls and and, and come on board. Um, You know, we went and did that in 2019 with the expectation of hosting in 2020 we took some of our people and actually had them work the event in orlando and just be able to be like behind the scenes and see things because it's always easy to have an impression about like how easy it is or isn't to do certain things until you're actually doing those things (laughs) and like seeing them and you know most of the time there's probably a good reason why things are or not being done um and it's just a matter of um you know maybe people the reason is people hadn't thought about it before or it wasn't you know, a thought process. It wasn't a priority. Um, but oftentimes it, it's things that maybe logistically um, other things took priority. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is for us the next couple of years collaborating together and saying, what are our priorities for the championship? How do we want to do it? I think first and foremost, you want the student athletes to have the greatest experience that they can. Um, you want this to be the highlight. For many of them, they're not going to play a grand slam. So this this is going to be the biggest tournament of their career and you want them to feel like it you don't want them to feel like it's just another tournament so i think that's on us to do that and then the second piece is obviously growing the fan base whether it's uh you know digitally and and what people are seeing um on tv or on streams or obviously the fans that come we want to get more fans coming to the event and making that an annual thing yeah no i mean two follow-up questions off of that and then i want to move on and talk about your team this season but you talk about the misnomers maybe amongst fans, amongst other schools who haven't hosted an event like this. And look, I was raised to be polite with guests, you know, don't ask them about things like their money right away. But I'm just curious, how much of the NCAAs as you're putting on and hosting this event do you realize is just fundraising? Because if memory serves me correct, you guys are the ones who want to, or who are, it's incumbent upon you to fund all of the things you want to do, right? And I feel like that must be the biggest misnomer is how much money you actually have to raise to put on an event like this. I think that's true. You know, the basic event is run by the NCAA, but if you're wanting to add on to any of these things, um, you know, that's where the additional fundraising comes from. You know, we're trying to do a fan fest area outside where there's going to be live music. There's going to be you guys doing some, hopefully some live pre and post game shows. There's going to be some activations and some things for families and kids and being bringing people in and that's not something that um you know the NCAA funds they they want the event to go well and from the NCAA perspective it's not like they're trying to shortchange things but their their goal is to to make the event happen um I think the host is is to bring things that's going to draw in the community that's going to draw in different things because as the host you know your community the best you know the people around you know the types of things that um, they're attracted to. So I think it's incumbent upon you to to grow that. And I think there's certain times where you see that happen and that's a focus. And then certain times where people are like, look, we just want to make the event happen the best that we can. We're getting this amount of resources from the NCAA and, and maybe we don't want to take 
additional resources and put it to, um, you know, to, to the event. So I think there's a lot of different ways to go about it, you know, and I can only speak to what we're doing. You know, I don't want to get into like anybody who's done it before, because I think everybody has taken on a monumental task when you do it. Um, but, you know, I think something as um, just getting this on, on TV, that's a big, big talking point for everybody. Right. And so right now, um, there isn't anything. We were just so excited about uh, the future with ESPN and tennis being a part of it. And they're going to then, you know, help produce the event going forward. But for our year, uh, this year in 2024, whatever we want to be on TV or streamed or however it's going to be, you know, it's really up to us to produce it and then take that content and say, this is what's going to happen. And, and as you know, from being in the business, it's not cheap to do it. And so there's a lot of variables that come in. And I think that's been our biggest challenge is we want to get tennis on TV. And I think we've committed to doing that here at Oklahoma State is to be able to say we want the championships, at least the team part, um, you know, to go ahead. Can we enter into this partnership with ESPN a year early and do some things? And, um, you know, but they haven't committed those resources naturally because we're still part of the old agreement. So now for us, it's OK. You, If you produce it, we'll find a place for it to go. And so that's what we're working on. That's the fun inside look into the business, folks. And I appreciate you sharing those details because it is fascinating logistically. You said it perfectly. The NCAA's goal is to make sure the tournaments start on time and they finish on time. Spicing it up, making it intriguing, engaging for the fans that so often falls on upon the host's shoulders to uh, undergo those activities. And you kind of alluded to it, but FanFest in particular, other things in the works. Give me just a uh, give our fans as well, just a little a sneak preview, a little hint of what they can expect at the final site this year. Yeah, I mean, we want people from the moment that you walk up towards the final site to feel like you're at an event. You know, I think that's one of the things that we can continue to do better with our sport is to draw in those fans and not just for the tennis. We all know that the tennis is going to be exciting. And if you get fans to a college tennis match, they typically come back. But what's the hook to get them to the match? And I think they need to be driving around, see it. They need to see billboards and things and all the, the communities around us say, hey, this is a big event. You don't want to miss out. And the minute that they start walking towards the event, they feel like they're part of a national championship type event. The student athletes should feel that. They should feel wherever they go and they, they walk into certain areas that they're fed properly, that they have cool down, you know, and, and warm up areas that are first class, that everything that they have is on an elite level. And basically, you know, look, we have grand slams. Uh, we have the U.S. Open that's run at an extremely high level. We don't have to recreate the wheel. We just have to be able to take elements of it that make it really cool and try to put that there for the for our teams. And so we want the student athletes to feel um, like they're going to be treated exceptionally well. There's going to be a lot of really cool areas for them for hospitality and different things. And then the fans. I mean, we just want the fans to be engaged. We want the fans to be able to understand our sport. So whether that's having you guys, you know, doing um, some pregame shows and some different things. I know that we've discussed just being able to like for fans to walk up and be able to sit and listen and say, okay, tell me about what I'm going to be seeing today. Uh, instead of I'm just walking in blindly, I don't know a single name of, you know, Virginia <laughs> or North Carolina, but I'm going to go there because people say this is a cool event. No, like I want to know the storylines and the things kind of ahead of time. And I think there's got to be a little bit of a lead up and a build up. So that's going to be a, a big part of our focus is that all throughout the day leading up to the matches, there's going to be things that are happening that people can participate in 
whether it's just to play the sport or to learn a little bit more about the people that are that are going to be watching. And I think the more that we can engage with the fans, the more amenities that we have for them, the more things that we can do, um, you know, just simple QR codes that they can scan and be able to get rosters and information and those types of things, I think will be uh, one more step ahead in the game. That sort of passion, that sort of attention to detail, it's the enthusiasm of a young man. That's why I think why I think, <laughs> Coach. And that's why, again, we're all so excited to be headed to Stillwater for this event. Let me ask you, for that fan fest, we're in Oklahoma. We're in Stillwater. Do I grow out the goatee for the event? Is that Do I have your permission? You're the host, or should I go clean shave? No, I think, uh, you know, you can adapt to the people. And I think that... Uh, <laughs> You're a man of the people, yes. so uh, I think either one of those is gonna is gonna fit right in well. So that's what I like to hear. Plus, I feel like I can be incognito if I have <laughs> that goatee. People aren't even gonna realize I'm lurking on sidelines. Like, is that, is <laughs> that right. Ruskin? Um, yeah. And so yeah, that works for me. And again, very much looking forward to getting down there, uh, taking part in that event. Obviously, what would make the event that much more fun, not just for I'm sure the entire Stillwater community, but for you as well, would be to have your team competing at that final site. And just a quick history lesson for all of our listeners who may not be aware of the progress and, you know, again, where you have this program uh, at this point entering your 15th year. Just a reminder, your first two years, I'm sure you remember them very fondly, 13 and 10, you guys rent and 62 in the rankings. That second year, eight and 16, you end the year unranked. In the years since, and here's the big number, eight of the last nine seasons, you guys have ended the season inside the top 20 of the rankings. Right now, you're number five in the uh, in the ITA rankings, and obviously we still have a lot of matches to go this season, but you've had a lot of teams, including back in 2016 when your team made a run to the NCAA final on its home courts. You know how special that can be. I don't want to say straight up, do you think you have a group who can replicate that success this year? But talk to me about the buzz on campus amongst your group in particular, knowing, hey, if we have a special season, we get to maybe end things at home. Yeah, I think, you know, you go back to the experience that we had. You touched on it in 2016 when we knew the championships were going to be in Tulsa just right down the road. And and we were going to have a chance. You know, we hosted the Big 12 championship that year. Uh, we hosted the first and second rounds that year. The final site was 16 teams and beyond. And so we knew that we could stay um, close by the entire run. And that was such a great experience for those kids. I look back on it and just think of um, the experience that it was for the kids. And I think that people saw Oklahoma State tennis and the passion of our fan base on full display because, you know, that final championship match against Stanford was was epic. I mean, it's one that you want. You want to go against a program like Stanford and their history to win a championship. And I think we we packed the fans. There was so much orange um, there that day. And it was a great atmosphere, I think, for both teams. And I think that's um, something that we built all along the way and that we've continued. Um, and, you know, I think COVID kind of was a, a time where we kind of had a little break and we've kind of tried to build things back up towards this season and, and, and doing that. And, I feel really good about the team that we have. Um, you know, I don't know if we're the fifth ranked team in the country. We're going to find out really quickly, um, you know, in the next few weeks. But I really like the kids. They're a fun group to work with. Um, there is a lot of talent, but they're just good kids to be around. And it's enjoyable as a coach to be able to have a group that, um, you know, has the talent and ability, but then also like has the passion to do something special. And you know, you can look at it in so many different ways. There could be the pressure of hosting and having your team here, 
or, you know, we're choosing to look at it as an opportunity. We have an opportunity to be here. Somebody's going to win a, a championship. Somebody's going to hold a trophy up on our courts. And, you know, we want to be there giving our sh- ourselves the best chance to do that as well. I'll ask the question just straight up. Is this team better than the 16 team? I know you still have a lot of dual matches to play, but looking at this roster, the depth you guys have, the fact that Ayumi Miyamoto, who lost, what, two, three dual matches last season, has this massive summer and fall of both college and pro success that you kind of can look at your lineup and you're like, Maybe she's playing four. Maybe she's playing five. And, you know, no coach, I think, is going to accuse you of stacking if you do that. That is the sort of depth that, yeah, still afforded that we're in the last year of this COVID bubble. But, I mean, this team is experienced. It's talented. Talk to me about what you've seen in practices. Yeah, I think it's really hard to compare, um, you know, the, the teams. I know the team in 2016, we had a lot of experience at the top, but we had freshmen at five and six, where now we're going to have experience all the way through. You know, we don't have any freshmen on this year's squad. Um, we have three grad transfer or grad kids. I mean, Ayumi has been here, seems like forever, probably since 2016, um, and is a good leader. But, you know, then you have uh, Carrington and, and Novak who've come into the program in the last year or two. And so they give a lot of experience. I think the depth is going to be the key. I think we're still, you know, one day away from a big match tomorrow, considering what the lineup needs to be. I think there's a lot of options there. And I think that as a coach, that's going to be the key to our season is getting that right. You know, being able to hit the lineup right where everybody kind of falls into, um, you know, a position or two that allows them to have success throughout the year and give the team success. I think that's part of college tennis coaching is getting the lineup right. And I think uh, we have some options and I think it's just a matter of, I'm curious to see how, what kids are going to step up. You talked about Ayumi and what she did last year and she's been rock solid for us. And she really stepped up last year and she kind of started to like move her way forward. Um, But what kids step up this season, you know, I think uh, Lucia is somebody that had a lot of professional success in the fall. Um, She's improved her pro ranking, you know, over 400 spots in the last year since she's come here. She hasn't played as much college tennis, so she's maybe a little bit still unknown to a lot of people, but not within our program because she's somebody who, um, you know, had a really, really good freshman year last year to come in in January and to really do so well at the three spot. Um, You know, she didn't really ever make that step up from three to two or, you know, up higher, but maybe she does this year. Uh, You know, I think there's a lot of kids that you could look to that are very capable. And I think that's what's going to make this year's team maybe one of the strongest that we've had. Late at night, your lovely wife, uh, Sarah, walks in and she says, is the NCA or the singles lineup keeping you up tonight? Is it what, you know, what's the answer there? I feel like you're late up at, at night. You're the thoughts like, oh, is it FanFest? Oh, yeah. where, am I, where am I going to play Novak this year? Like you got some thoughts keeping you awake, I imagine. I do. And and to be honest, it's the, the championships that yeah. uh, keep me up more. But just because I think you know, it's such an important event for so many people, right? Sure. You don't want to let people down. You want to be able to do this. And it's not um, it's not just for us hosting the championship. We're hosting it on behalf of all of these coaches and student athletes that are coming. And, you know, you know that everybody's going to come with a critical eye, so to speak. Everybody's going to have their own impressions. So just trying to make that thing go off in a way where um, people have a great experience 
I think our team, um, I, I feel really good about where we're at right now. You know, maybe after this weekend, we'll have some things that'll keep us up a little bit more at night uh, following these two tough teams that we have coming in. I mean, my goodness, I wasn't a very smart guy to schedule these two right <laughs> off. Um, but it definitely makes it fun. Or you were a very smart guy. I guess we'll find out this weekend one way or the other. What's it like for you coaching a group that, yeah, has three newcomers in Anastasia Komar, Obi Kajuru, by the way, both top 10 players right now in the ITA rankings, plus fifth-year Sophia Carrington, who played as high as one in the LSU lineup (laughs) during her time there. They're all experienced players, yet they're all newcomers to Stillwater. I'm just curious what that balance is like for you as a coach, knowing, hey, I'm saying this to you for the first time but you've heard similar stuff before. Yeah, I think every culture is different. You know, that those girls came from good programs. They came from places that had success. They they came from places where they did things a certain way. And we do things differently here. Um, so just trying to get them to, like, adapt and be able to help them grow as people. I think all three of those kids have improved. I think that they're playing some of their best tennis. I think they're they're doing really well, and that's a credit to them. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's, uh, it's still fresh and new for them and trying to get them to see that, look, this is um, – you know, that's the challenge of this weekend. You know, you have a team like Michigan with so much experience and we have on the flip side, we have a lot of kids that are playing their very first match inside the Greenwood Tennis Center. So I think that's um, a challenge for them to, uh, but I think it's also something they're super excited about. I mean, I think this place is going to be rocking uh, on Friday night and I think that's going to be a fun experience. I think that's part of the reason that kids come here to Oklahoma State is um, I think the fan base really, um supports our program in a way that's second to none. And I think kids see that when they come here and play uh, as as opponents. And I think to want to be a part of that, something that gets a lot of kids excited. And again, I want to preview those matches. Talk to me about working with Komar, though, because you watch Anastasia Komar play, and I apologize, she's 13th, not top 10. Ooh, 13th in the rankings after her 12-4 and fall. Um, Look, the power tennis she can play, is very evident at times. At the same time, for someone that tall, she can move a little bit in and out of those outer thirds. Like It's someone who, at the same time you watch her play, you're never quite sure if she's trying. And yet the results are very clearly there. What's your assessment been after getting a first semester to work with her? I mean, she's a great kid. She's one of the most competitive kids that I've I've been around. I mean, she competes every single day. And for her, she, that's that's what she wants to do. You know, she'd rather play points and compete all day long. So uh, make no mistake about it. She is a super competitive person. I think that the way that it comes across, maybe people are going to have their own impression of, but there's nobody that's more competitive than her. And that's exciting. I think she can do things on the court that you just don't see people able to do because of her athleticism. And she's tracking down every single ball. She's not giving up on any points. And she's able to hit some shots that you're just uh, fascinated by. Mm -hmm. And I think she makes the um, difficult shots seem way more routine than, than just about anybody else. And the more challenging the point is, the better that she's going to play. And she's somebody that we're just trying to encourage her to be more explosive, to go for, go for a little bit more. You know, I think she uh, at times doesn't really understand her own true potential and capabilities. And um, she's just growing into that. She had a really good season last year. We're just trying to take it and and uh, build upon that. You know, that's great to hear because 
that's actually I feel like a characteristic that maybe your group shares. Like looking at this group uh, again, Komar, kind of a quiet killer, and you said it there perfectly. The better the point, the better she is. I would say it's a little tennis chameleony, and it works both ways. Sometimes maybe if the other side's a little lacking, sometimes she'll play with the food a little bit before eating it. But like she is not the most extroverted person on court. Ob, she'll beat you four and two in an hour twenty minutes and shake your hand, but not the most extroverted person on court, even with that success where's the noise going to come other than from Jaime of course from your team this season that's right that's right he's going to bring the energy every single time (laughs) and we appreciate that so much about him and in the matches you know I think that is uh, that is um going to be the way that it is I don't know that our team's going to be like super vocal um you know I think you add like a Miyamoto to that I think she's right in that same uh vein I think that, you know, Lucia is somebody that plays the crowd a little bit, that gets fired up, that I think she's going to bring that kind of edge and passion. So I think if there was one person that you say, who's going to, you know, be that leader of energy, I would say that it's her. But, you know, I think that's one of the things that honestly, in talking with those kids before they came, that was kind of what they was important to them is like, hey, I might not always be the most vocal person. And I don't want to get pushed outside my comfort zone. I want to be like, able just to be who I am on the court. And can you handle that? You know, can you as a coach respect that and kind of let me be me on the court? And, and, um, you know, that was uh, probably something that people wouldn't have thought about, but is something that was super important to, uh, to these girls. And I think that's what they saw in our program that people can kind of be whatever. And our team has kind of taken on that life. You know, I mean, you go back to 2016 and Adamovich had enough personality for everybody. She was, <laughs> fist pumping and lifting the crowd every single time. Um, But there was a lot of kids that were pretty reserved and quiet and do their thing. And I think there's so many different ways that you can win. And I think that it it may not be the most vocal team, but I guarantee it's going to be one of the most competitive teams. I'm just going to throw the name Sophia Carrington out there. I think the fifth year for the opportunity to be on an awesome team, which you guys could very well be, I think that's going to bring out an energy in her. She's the one I'm circling to be the rah-rah. I agree with that. You know, that's something that she's she's talked a lot about here the last few weeks is just, man, the practices, the level of of, uh, practices, because there's so many good players and it's fun to kind of come to practice every day and not much that we're going to see on match day that we don't see on a daily basis with this group. Yeah, no, it's going to be exciting. And by the way, I say that in the best sense, like. I mean, I'm curious if you think I'm wrong in saying this. I think a team kind of needs that little extra edge. And again, like watching your team develop, it's going to be fun this year. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that's uh, every team takes on the personality and identity of its leadership and the people that it's around. And I think what's going to be the identity uh, of this team, I think that remains to be seen. You know, I have an idea of how I want it to go and and how I see it going. Um, But I think that throughout the season that continues to develop and you can't force those things. Those things have to naturally kind of come through. And, and I think you're right. I think someone like Sophia who has a lot of experience, who now has a chance to be on a a top 10 team. um, This is her chance to step up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, last two questions for you. I want to start with recruiting. This year, you went the portal route, and look, when a player like a Komar, an Obi, a Carrington comes available, why wouldn't you try and recruit them through the portal? But I'm curious, moving forward, obviously, the COVID bubble ends. We're back to four years of college students as opposed to the five we've had these last four seasons. 
Do you still think you are go- – oh, still think is kind of the wrong way to frame that. Will you look towards the portal? Will you get more towards recruiting freshmen back to the usual cycle? How will you approach recruiting moving forward? Yeah, I think that just for sustained success, you have to continue to build the program. I think for us, we've had a you know a good run of consistency. You've talked about it over you know the last – 13 years we've been in the NCAA tournament uh, every year. And then we're always, you know, been able to advance and, and be somebody that's been a factor. And a lot of it's just because of the development of our players. So I think that's always a critical piece um, to have consistency is to be able to recruit those freshman kids coming in. This year was a little bit different just because you did have the last year of the COVID year. And I think there were some kids out there that, that had some experience that were looking for something new and, and that, presented itself to us, but it's definitely not something that I think you can live off of. However, you know, I think for us, a lot of times, um, Stillwater is not always the most like attractive place to an 18 year old at times, because maybe it's, they, they haven't heard enough about Oklahoma state. We're recruiting the same kids that are going to some names that they've grown up hearing, or they've heard a lot more about, or in areas of the country, they know more about, but I think, the second time around, kids have been able to kind of become familiar with, oh, that's what Oklahoma State really is about. And we've seen that on our campus in a lot of our sports. You know, our softball program has has been, you know, a factor at the College World Series level for the last several years. And they've been able to bring in, you know, one or two kids out of the portal every year that really makes a difference for them that maybe they missed out on the first time around. And same thing, you know, I think could still be happening for us. I don't think that you go into it planning to count on those things because those things might not present itself. So you're always out there scouring and recruiting. And, you know, we have a really good staff. Jaime does a great job in recruiting Samantha Crawford, having her uh, and her connections and contacts, I think is really going to help us. So you always want to go for those kids that can come in as freshmen, but if there's something that presents itself, uh, you'd always have to be, uh, you know, looking for what can make your program the best that it can be. I think every year is a little bit different. Have you found in pitching to those newcomers to college tennis, can you talk about pro success, even if it's not directly your program? Do you find names like Navarro, Collins, Stearns, et cetera, coming up in your conversations? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I think that there's so many, you know, great coaches in our sport that are doing a great job developing players. And now we're starting to see more and more of the resources that have been put in over the last decade really pay off with pro success. And now it is a true viable pathway. For a long time, you started to see it maybe progress a little bit quicker on the men's side. And people were saying, well, maybe the guys are doing it, but not the girls. And now you can't say that anymore. Um, there's been so many great girls that you've talked about that have come through. And, you know, you want to be able to provide that pathway and those opportunities. And I think more and more kids are doing it. I think that's why you see the level of college tennis continue to rise, because there's more and more kids that see it as a viable pathway. And, uh, you know, I think the more people that have success, it just helps all of us. You know, I think the biggest thing is we got to be in this more as coaches all together, supportive of each other, because our sport needs to continue to grow. when We need each other. We need to support each other. And hopefully that's something we can all do a better job of moving forward. Yeah. I mean, again, Ayumi, Lucia, both winning titles on the pro circuit in 2023. And uh, obviously you see it at the highest levels as well. I'm going to borrow into the third round and yeah. now a top 30 player. And so, yeah, that, that again, it is fascinating to see. And I'm always curious to hear our freshmen seemingly more receptive to college tennis. And it sounds like more broadly the answer is yes, of course. Speaking of receptive to college tennis, 
when you texted me and said, hey, Michigan, Ohio State, we got a weekend. You ready to broadcast? I said immediately, let's rock and roll. Obviously excited. We get the Oklahoma State Middle Tennessee men's match before your match on Friday as well. Let's focus on yours, though, first. What it, does a successful weekend look like for the Cowgirls in your mind? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I think for us, um, you know, these two matches are going to be tough. We went on the road um, and took losses at Michigan and Ohio State last year. We lost um, actually twice, you know, to Michigan last year. We had uh, a doubles point on our racket that that we lost that really could have changed that match because it was a tight one the first time in Stillwater. They got the best better of us um, when we went up there the next time. We have a ton of respect for Michigan. Um, you know, they have as much experience as anybody in college tennis this year. Um, you know, they're top four from last year, all returning. And those girls are great competitors. Uh, obviously, uh, they have great coaches. Uh, Ronnie and Taryn do such a good job um, with their program. And uh, we have a ton of respect for them. We know that this is going to be one of the most difficult matches we play all year long. And we're playing it first match out of the gate. So that's either going to be a benefit to us playing at home first match, or it's going to be something that, uh, you know, we learn a lot from. There's no losing in this weekend because we're just going to learn a lot about our team and, and be able to grow from it. Um, but I think it's opportunities that we need to take advantage of playing at home. Um, as you guys have talked about, you know, with us trying to be a top eight seed and potentially being in Stillwater for the, you know, duration of the national championships, these are two critical matches to making that happen because we know these teams are going to have successful seasons and they're going to stay up there. So um, I think every match throughout the lineup is going to be a battle. I think the doubles is going to be super important. That's where I feel like we've grown a lot this year. I feel like we have really three strong teams that we're going to throw out there. Um, and I think that's going to be a key to our success. But, you know, I don't want to say that we need to win both of these matches or even need to win one of them to have a successful weekend. But, you know, I think what success looks like is getting a huge turnout for our fans, getting people excited about college tennis and the NCAA championships. We're doing that with a doubleheader with the men. I think that's critical. I think it's important for both programs to really be supportive. I know it presents some logistical challenges when you double up and you play two matches and, um, you know, with warm up and those things is a little bit affected, but, I think it's so important for us throwing this out there, getting things started, getting people ramped up and fired up for what the NCAAs can bring. This is just going to whet the appetite a little bit. And hopefully it's a show that everybody really enjoys and appreciates. And, um, you know, that's why we wanted you guys to come on. I think there's a lot of things that we can do this weekend that are a trial run for May. And we're going to learn a lot, you know, in every aspect of it, um, every aspect of what we do with you guys to what happens on the court. Um, and it gives us time then to make adjustments, whether it's with our team or whether it's with our hosting and the things that we can do just to continue to build upon this and, and make it something special once May rolls around and, and we put the best foot forward with how we host, but more importantly, hopefully with our program as well. No, I absolutely loved to see that doubleheader to kick off the season as well, get the Stillwater tennis community excited. It's just an excellent choice, an excellent Friday. And again, that's why we're so excited to be incorporated and kick off our broadcast with that doubleheader. You mentioned the doubles. What does winning doubles look like this weekend for the Cowgirls? Yeah, I think we got to be aggressive in doubles. Um, you know, that's something that we were 
trying to find right combinations last year. I felt like that we had really good singles players, but people that weren't quite as as confident. And, you know, doubles has always been our calling card here. If you go back to, we've highlighted the 2016 team um, quite a bit, but, you know, that team won 33 out of 34 doubles points. Uh, in 2017-18, we were very successful in doubles. And so our fans kind of expect that, like, we're going to win the doubles point. And, you know, we, we um, have not had that success the last year or two. Uh, like we're used to. I think we have kids that really have um, good skill in doubles. I think we have some teams that you can you can look to. You know, Miyamoto and, and Gonzalez were a top 20 doubles team for the most of last year. And now you plug them in at two and you've got a top six or seven ranked team in, in Komar and uh, Kajuru at, at one. I think that the top of the doubles lineup is good. And then you have depth at three doubles. So I think for us, it's just being aggressive, really forcing the action, um, you know, a lot of movement, a lot of uh, um, things where the girls really force the action, especially indoors where it's going to be fast. And um, hopefully that's a, a key to our success. Oh, well, the reason we bring up the 2016 team, they made an NCAA final. And by the way, how do you do that? Go 33 and one in doubles. That really helps uh, along the way. And yeah, for those that remember last year's kickoff weekend match, not to open the wound, but the doubles between you guys and Michigan, that was an elite doubles point. That was really, really fun from a fan perspective. So hopefully we get something close to that. I guess the final thought is, and again, history lesson. Some people don't remember. I do. But some people don't remember, Coach. Your team was 11-1 in 2020 when you guys were supposed to host the NCAA tournament. This team's got some unfinished business as it relates to that group. Again, Ayumi was on that squad. And obviously, again, that team was rounding into shape. Uh, what do you want to see from your team throughout the course of this year to have them peaking in May? What's it going to take for them to do that, to ultimately reach that final site in Stillwater come the NCAA quarterfinals? Yeah, that team was 11-1. and one. The only loss was a 4-3 home loss and kickoff weekend to Ohio State. So uh, there is unfinished business there. But, you know, I think that this team, um, the key for them is just growth. I think growth throughout the season to be, be playing their best season um, you know, once again, to go back to 2016, we were the 12 seed going into that tournament, but we were playing really exceptional tennis. And you go through five, four and one along the way because you were prepared to do that. I think not focusing so much on the rankings, but just the growth of this team and really having our doubles uh, improve throughout the year. Our lineup really get honed in on of how we can you know, be a force and a factor at every single spot in the lineup. It's going to take a lot to be there at the end. You have to have a little luck involved, but you have to have confidence and people playing at a high level at the right time. And um, you see that every year. You see a team or two that just is really hot, that really everything is coming together at the right time. And uh, you want to peak at those at those right times. And so as a coach, you know, I think our schedule is set up for us to be tested early. And I think then what we do with that as coaches and how we develop our kids is going to be the key to our success going forward. Yeah, I'm also still not convinced that you're not going to get like four calls in March. Oh, wait, we thought we had you on the schedule. Can we come check things out in Stillwater? And you're going to be like, well, I kept the dates open just in case. <laughs> so uh, certainly, again, I feel like that team, your team is going to be tested. And, you know, again, whether it's this weekend, Michigan, Ohio State, you guys are on the road kickoff weekend, first match against UCLA. That is certainly going to be a fun one for fans to enjoy. Uh, but, yeah, 
to get back to the theme, plenty of things to keep you up late at night throughout the course of this 2024. And thus, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us before this weekend's matches. And again, really looking forward to broadcasting those again. Friday, we've got the doubleheader, men's and women's Oklahoma State versus Middle Tennessee for the men, followed by Oklahoma State versus Michigan, a top five showdown. After that, oh, just a casual top 15er on Sunday again, Oklahoma State versus Ohio State. Head coach Chris Young, we look forward to watching the Cowgirls compete this weekend. We always appreciate getting the chance to chat with you. Yeah, thanks so much for just how you promote our sport. We need it as much as ever, and uh, looking forward to uh, to doing this together this spring. Yeah, hopefully it will be the Oklahoma State hat hanging uh, on this mantle. Come I'm the end happy of to send you one. If that's yeah. it. <laughs> awesome. Coach Young, thank you as always. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Oklahoma State women's tennis head coach Chris Young. A thank you to Coach Young, as always, for taking the time to chat. Appreciate, again, how candid he was in offering us a behind-the-scenes look of what it takes to plan an NCAA team, an individual event. Certainly, again, looking forward to getting down to Stillwater in May to enjoying all uh, and enjoying, excuse me, all of his efforts. Certainly looking forward to enjoying watching his team compete throughout the course of the year as well. That said, you're Friendly reminder for all of your college tennis coverage throughout the course of this Division I season. Make sure you're tuning in to not only our Great Shot podcast feed, but our Crack Rackets YouTube channel as well. We'll have episodes of The Deciding Point twice a week, breaking down all the men's and women's Division I action. Those will be live on our YouTube channel, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Tuesday for the women, Wednesdays for the men. Every week of the season, they'll be available late at night on those days as well as podcasts on that Great Shot podcast feed. And as always, if you're looking for Australian Open coverage, mini break podcast feed, great shot podcast feed are the places for you. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. Uh, thank you again to Coach Chris Young for joining us on today's show. With that said, though, for the fantastic Oklahoma State women's tennis head coach Chris Young, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Ruskin. You've been listening to another Another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.